Welcome to The Truth About Lending. I'm Melinda Payne, the president and owner of The Truth About Lending. I've been a licensed mortgage broker for over 25 years and bring you clear and straightforward insights on everything from securing your initial home purchase to refinancing your house or obtaining condo financing in Florida's dynamic lending market. Now let's get into the truth about lending. Welcome everyone to Dream Home Within Reach, Tactics to Boost Your Buying Potential. I'm Melinda Payan, and this is Lunch and Learn with Melinda, the Truth About Lending podcast. Today we are talking about different tactics and how to qualify for more of a house or what you can do to be able to purchase a property with a higher loan amount as well. So we're going to talk about a lot of different things, and I think this is going to be a great opportunity for those who are thinking about buying a house to try to figure out on either ways of buying a more expensive house or qualifying for a higher loan amount and being able to put less money down. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very excited about our podcast, and this is the beginning of a podcast series called Lunch and Learn for those who joined us last year. This is our series for this year, and we're really excited to have you join us, and we really encourage you to make sure to sign up for our future podcasts that will go over a lot of really important information about mortgages. But today, specifically, we're going to talk about what you can do to qualify for more of a property, more of a loan, less money down, higher purchase price, because this is really a big thing that's important for a lot of buyers out there, that they know what their options are. And there's a lot of tactics that you guys can do that may or may not be something you're aware of. So we're just gonna go through each of these and have a little bit of a discussion. We welcome you to put comments into the uh, comments or questions into the comment box, and we will try to answer all of your questions. And for those who may be you know, not able to join the entire podcast, this will be pre-recorded on our YouTube channel as well, or not pre-recorded, recorded right now on our YouTube channel so that you can join our YouTube channel. Please subscribe and you'll be getting notifications of our weekly podcasts and all of the information that we have on there. So let's talk about the first tactic, what you could do. So um, one of the very first things that you can do to be able to help qualify for more of a property really is looking at your monthly debt. Uh, so if we are looking at your debt as a whole, so a mortgage professional such as myself is looking at your situation and we're deciding what is going on with your income compared to the debt that you have, because this is a really important thing that underwriters look at. It's called a debt to income ratio, or sometimes it's abbreviated into DTI. So the debt to income ratio is exactly what that sounds like. It's your total debt compared to what your income is. So basically what we're looking at is that it fits within a certain amount or a certain ratio amount. What that means is that different lenders and different programs have different requirements. So it's really important that we understand all of the options and all the different programs that are out there. But let's get back to the debt. We'll go into the programs here in a second. So when you're looking, when we are looking at your debt, 
we're breaking it down into two things, installment debt and revolving debt. Installment debt is typically a car loan, a mortgage payment, a student loan. Uh, it may also be a loan on an RV or uh, a loan on a recreational vehicle of some kind. But it's basically a loan, could also be a personal loan, but it's a loan where you can't reaccess the funds. So if you are, for example, with a, a paying a car down, it's not like you could reaccess the loan that uh, the car payment uh, place gave you. As opposed to a revolving type of debt, a revolving debt is a credit card, a line of credit, something where you could pay down, reaccess it, pay it down, and reaccess it. So when it comes to installment loans, there is a lot of different type of installment debts, such as student loans, car payments, and a few other things. So a car payment, typically, if you have a car payment and then it and it is not a lease, it is a regular car payment where you have ownership in the car and you're not leasing it. If you have less than 10 payments left on the debt, or if you are willing to pay it down to 10 payments or less left on the debt, then we can go ahead and uh, get you uh, in a situation where we can omit that debt. So um, if we are omitting that debt, then uh, we do not have to count that payment against you. So for example, let's say you have a car payment where you are making a uh, let's say $250 car payment just for the sake of using this as an example, and you have a $5,000 balance on the car, uh, you pay it down to the balance of $2,500, so now there's only $2,500 left to be uh, paid on the car. We actually can omit that car payment, so we're not counting it in your debt to income ratio, which allows you to qualify for more of a debt. Now, it's very important that this is not a lease because we can't do that with a lease. We can only do that with a car that you actually own and that it is not a lease payment. So that's one tactic. Uh, the good part about that is, is that we can have you pay that down at closing. It doesn't have to be paid up front. So there's some flexibility there where you're not paying a car down and you're not in a situation where you um, have to be uh, paying something down right away. So now let's talk about um, revolving debt. So revolving debt plays a very big role uh, with credit cards as far as the percentage of debt that you're using. Um, typically speaking, if you have a credit card, if you have the balance paid down to 50% or less of the available credit limit, then you are in a situation where you're going to have the best credit score. Or if you could even pay it down to 30% or less of the available credit limit, that's really the top tier as to what uh, will help your credit. So 50% would be probably the first tier and 30% uh, will be the second tier. So let's talk about that. If you have a credit card that has a $1,000 balance and the credit limit is $1,000, your credit score is going to be lower. If you have a credit card that has a $1,000 credit limit and the balance is $500, your credit score is going to be better. It's going to be improved from as opposed to if the card was maxed out. 
But if you can pay it down to 30% of the available credit limit, so the balance is down to $300, that really will help improve your credit score quite a bit. And on top of that, you will then ultimately get a better interest rate, better mortgage insurance, better terms, and that could help with lowering your debt to income ratio. So let's take a step back here and talk about that for a little bit. When you have a higher credit score, the interest rate is actually a little bit better. And also, if you're not putting down 20%, then you have to have mortgage insurance. So just a reminder for people who don't know what mortgage insurance is, it is an insurance policy that the lender takes out on you when you're not putting down 20% and basically gives them a guaranteed amount of some type of recovery if you were to default on the loan. So when you're getting mortgage insurance and uh, because you're not putting down 20%, you will actually better get a better interest rate with a conventional loan. I'm um, sorry, you'll get a better rate on the mortgage insurance well, and a better interest rate if the credit score is higher. So we want to try to get your credit score as high as possible because it affects many things, not just the interest rate, it also affects the monthly mortgage insurance for a conventional Fannie Mae loan. Now let's go back and talk again about some other things that we can do with debts. Uh, if there are a, if there is a debt that you co-signed for somebody, let's say you co-signed for your mom, you co-signed for your daughter, you co-signed for your son, your sister, a friend, whatever the case may be, it is super, super important that that person is paying the debt out of their bank account, not a joint account with you, not, not giving you the money and then you're paying out of your account. They need to be paying it out of their account directly to the creditor. Example, that you co-sign for a car, Chrysler Financial, and um, Chrysler Financial is being paid directly by your cousin out of your cousin's bank account then you're going to provide us 12 months proof that your cousin has been paying this debt out of his or her account and we're going to be able to omit that debt from your debt to income ratio. So these are all tactics that we can do in reference to uh, trying to lower the debt ratio that you have to improve how much money that you can qualify for to be able to buy a house. So it's really important that when we're talking about how much money that you could qualify for to buy a house, that we're also talking about many different loan programs. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. With the loan programs that are out there, there are a lot of different guidelines. And you really want to make sure that you're working with somebody who is an expert and really understands these different product options. Because there's a lot of people out there, unfortunately, that really don't understand some of the guidelines and may or may not give you the correct information. A perfect example of that is if somebody has a student loan payment the student loan payments are calculated differently with different types of loan products. And uh, I'll give you an example. If somebody is in deferment, and uh, many people are in deferment still or forbearance uh, on their student loan and they don't have any payment reporting right now, if they get a, if you're applying for an FHA loan, then FHA calculates the student loan payment at half a percent of the balance. Even though you're not making a payment on it, they're still wanting to calculate something. So they're going to calculate half a percent of your balance as your payment. 
If it's a Fannie Mae loan, they calculate 1%. So there may be a significant difference as to what you qualify for between the, just by switching loan products into a different loan product. Now, it's important to note that when you're dealing with student loans, if you can get an income-driven repayment plan, and I know this is gonna sound a little bit crazy, but that's the mortgage business. Some of these rules don't make sense. I honestly think whoever wrote these rules must have paid cash for their house because if they had put their clients or themselves through some of the stuff that they wrote, I that's a whole another podcast for another, another day. Um, but anyways, when you are getting an income-driven repayment plan, it's best to not have it at zero, which I know sounds crazy. Why wouldn't you want a zero payment? But if you're looking to get an FHA loan, which is usually the most lenient loan when it comes to credit and much more lenient on the debt to income ratio, FHA requires us to count a half of percent of the balance of the student loan for your payment if you have a zero income driven repayment plan. But if you have an income driven repayment plan that says you only have to pay $1 a month, we can count $1. I know it sounds crazy, but it could make the difference between you qualifying for more of a house or not. So it's really important that when you do qualify for, if you are trying to qualify for an income driven repayment plan, which a lot of student loan servicers should offer, you want to try to get the lowest possible payment that isn't zero. I know that's crazy, but even if it's $1 or $2, that could prevent us from having to use a $200 payment or a $500 payment or something that's a significantly higher payment just because of the fact that it was zero. And this is a tip a lot of people don't realize because they think it's great. Hey, I have a zero payment that's due, that's wonderful, but that could actually mean the difference between you qualifying for a $500,000 loan versus a $600,000 loan. So this is really important and something you should speak to one of our loan officers or myself about, but it's just tips like that that really make us different. We understand the difference with the guidelines. So now let's talk a little bit about the different loan options. And we're going to go into what are the different types of loans that are out there. First of all, everybody has heard of Fannie Mae or you may have heard of Freddie Mac. Those are conventional loans. What is a conventional loan? It's basically just the, the best type or this perceived to be for the best type of borrowers, somebody who has a very high credit score, high income, um, putting down a good percentage, although there are 3% down programs with conventional loans, but there is a perception that a conventional loan is the better loan out there, which is not necessarily the truth sometimes. However, they're called conventional loans. Those are either Fannie Mae loans or Freddie Mac loans. There are differences between Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac that you uh, really don't need to uh, get into as a borrower, just know that you may qualify for one versus the other one in a better way. It's kind of like McDonald's and Burger King. They're still burgers. They're both burgers. So it's, they're both mortgages. They're both loans. Then we're also going to talk about a FHA loan. 
So an FHA loan is a government insured loan and the loan is not insured that if you default that the government's gonna make the payment. What's insured is the mortgage insurance. Remember we talked about mortgage insurance a few moments ago that when you don't put down 20% that you're required to have mortgage insurance on the loan which ensures to the lender that uh, if you were to default that there would be a portion of the default uh, reimbursed to the lender. It's like an insurance policy to the lender. The difference with an FHA loan is that it's insured by HUD, by the government, okay? As a result, the interest rates tend to be lower. In most cases, they're about 1% lower of an interest rate than a conventional loan. However, there are other things that we would need to look at in comparing what you would qualify for versus a conventional loan and a uh, FHA loan. First of all, with an FHA loan, you have much more flexibility with your debt to income ratio, meaning that you can go to a higher loan amount, you can have more debt, you can have um, less of a uh, down payment with a conventional loan and I'm sorry, with an FHA loan, then in some cases, in some cases, because remember I said with a conventional loan, there is a 3% down program and FHA is 3.5% down. So you would have to say to yourself, why are you saying that Melinda? Well, there's some times that when you have a lower credit score or Sometimes we see this typically with somebody under a 680 credit score and you're putting down 3% on a conventional loan. Sometimes the loan doesn't get approved for a conventional loan. So in that case, you have to switch it to an FHA loan to still be able to qualify to put down 3.5% instead of putting a significant amount more down with a conventional loan. So with an FHA loan, you may be able to have more debt outstanding. You may be able to not have to pay off a credit card. You may be able to not have to pay off uh, a car or pay down a car, whatever the case may be. But there is a little bit more flexibility with an FHA loan with the debt to income ratio where there is less flexibility with a conventional loan. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that process is and why in some cases you can put down a little bit less in one loan versus another. There's something called desktop underwriting, which is also known as DU or desktop underwriting originator may be called, but basically it's called uh, desktop underwriting and many agents refer to this as a DU. This is an automated underwriting system that every loan in the United States has to go through. It is something that regardless of the loan type, whether it's FHA, VA, Fannie Mae, regardless of the loan type, it has to go through this system. And this system spits out an approval or a denial. And what happens, and then sometimes it spits out a maybe as well, but for a conventional Fannie Mae loan, there's only one option, which is an approve eligible, okay? It has to be approved, it has to go through this program. If the, the loan is not approved through a conventional route, then we have the option to say, hey, it's not approved for a conventional loan, but it may be approved for an FHA loan. And that's when we are able to switch it into this other product and see 
could it work under these other guidelines? And that does happen. You may be in a situation where um, you have more debt than you can pay down, or you're not quite yet at to the point where you can uh, figure out your income-driven repayment plan yet, whatever the case may be, but it, it improves your odds of being able to have more debt to be able to get an FHA loan. So that is one option that we can also look at as well. So there are other things that we could also discuss as far as how you can qualify for more of a house. And part of that is, is making sure that your loan officer, which hopefully will be one of our loan officers at The Truth About Lending, is using the correct income for you. So what does that mean? A lot of times people don't think of their other income as, um, possible income that they could use. For example, if you receive bonuses or overtime or anything that is additional income to your normal pay, it's important for you to let your loan officer know because you may be in a situation where um, you have additional income that you didn't tell us about, although we should see it on your pay stub, but there may be uh, something else that we can use. For example, if you have a second job uh, or let's say you are uh, self-employed and you're doing something on the side in addition to your salary job, these are all really important things to communicate to your loan officer to make sure that we're using the correct income for you. Because the more income that we can give you, the better it is for you. And we also want to make sure we're using uh, every possible dollar amount for you to qualify for these regular normal programs that we're talking about. Now, one of the things that we didn't really talk about are some of these alternative programs that are out there. Those programs are typically bank statement loans or investor cash flow loans or their portfolio loans that are called non-QM loans. What that means is they're not a Fannie Mae loan. They're not a conventional, they're not an FHA. They're in a situation where you are going to be able to qualify for more uh, of a house, possibly. It usually means a higher down payment, but you're in a position where you may have some options to be able to qualify for more. It really is going to depend on your unique situation, but there are some limited income or reduced income options that are available, and you may, depending on your situation, qualify for more of a house, possibly with a higher down payment, but we can have those discussions with you and give you those options. Now, those options are typically at a higher interest rate than a regular conventional or FHA loan. However, there are options and they do exist, and it's important that you know that those options are out there, and it really just depends on your situation. So uh, when we're talking about qualifying for more of a property or more of a house. We've talked about looking at your debt, paying down some installment debt, uh, perhaps making sure that anybody that you co-sign for is paying the debt out of their account, uh, trying to keep your credit cards at 30% of your available credit limit, which would be really helpful for your credit score. We've talked a little bit about making sure that um, you try to have uh, your student loans on an income-driven repayment plan with some type of payment, whether that's a dollar or $2 or whatever the case may be. 
Um, if you have any questions, uh, please uh, put it in the comments section. We encourage you guys to uh, ask any questions. I'd be happy to ask any, uh, answer any specific questions regarding any of the programs that we just discussed. Uh, and you also want to make sure that you're looking at all of the different options that you have. You're talking with your loan officer in reference to the uh, programs that are available. You're talking to your loan officer about all of the different things that are out there. It's really important that you do that. I can't tell you how many times that we see that, and, and I, you know, it's sad. I mean, unfortunately, there's a lot of loan officers that um, are not getting the training that they need to get. And those are typically ones that are working for banks and are not the mortgage brokers out there because they're typically focused on, you know, um, just compliance training and everything else. They're not focused on how to structure a loan. And that's why it's important that you have somebody who is an expert and has the knowledge of the different products to be able to structure a loan for you. So that is uh, really the, the, the tactics that we're talking about. Um, if anybody has any specific questions, please jump on. Otherwise, we encourage you to reach out to us, uh, thetruthaboutlending.com. Uh, feel free to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can get all of the alerts on uh, what is coming next. We've got some really great information. Each week, we're going to be talking about different topics in the mortgage industry or how to qualify for a mortgage is easier or what the process is. This uh, lunch and learn session is really for consumers to give you guys the information that you really need to make the process getting a mortgage as, as easy as it possibly can be or to prepare you appropriately for uh, the mortgage process. Uh, let's see um, if we have anything else that we didn't cover. I think that is it for now. Thank you so much for for joining our podcast and we hope to see you next week uh, and uh, looking forward to lots of great information that we have coming up with many of our lunch and learn sessions. Thank you and have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Truth About Lending. Stay up to date with all Florida loan and mortgage news by subscribing to our channel and help us grow so we can continue bringing you insight and advice. Please like, share, and follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can find the links to all our social media profiles in the description. You can find extra resources on our website, thetruthaboutlending.com. If you have any questions about Florida mortgages, we are licensed and ready to talk to you today. Call us at 888-76-TRUTH. That's 888-768-7884. You can also email us at melinda at ttal.info or visit us at our website, thetruthaboutlending.com. Until next time, remember the truth about lending is out there for you. No, you're not alone. Cause I'm gonna make this place yours.